Well, good morning. I'm glad you were here. Um, eight, January of 2007, Apple rolled out the iPhone. It was a big deal for them. Uh, their press release said this, iPhone is a revolutionary and magical product that is literally five years ahead of any other mobile phone. We're all born with the ultimate device, ultimate pointing device, our finger, and iPhone iPhone uses them to create the most revolutionary user interface since the mouse. Well, that was 12 years ago. And the iPhone has been the the bread and butter of Apple. Boy, it has been a staple for them. So when they rolled that out, they rolled it out with emphasis and, and, and focus because it was going to be a building block of, of what was their company or what, a foundation of what would continue as their company. Well, back in creation, when it started, God rolled out a building block. Uh, and like the iPhone, but even more, this, this would be the foundation of, of his creation, of his church. And the building block was marriage. Marriage. And this morning, I want to talk about marriage. Because God's got a perspective on it, and I, I think it's worth us knowing. We're talking about living a legacy. And if we're going to be people who live a legacy, whether we're, we're married, whether we're single, plan to get married or not get married, we need to know God's perspective on marriage. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open it to Malachi chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 10, we're going to go through verse 16, and ask that very question, what's God's perspective on marriage? Now as you're turning there, let, let me just set the context for the book of Malachi This is the generation that has come back from being held captive in in Babylon. They've been released. Persia is a new world power. They've released the refugees, and and they've come back, and they have a chance to be a people of a legacy, be a part of that's rebuilding Israel, rebuilding the temple. But but God's got an issue with them, and it comes right out at the beginning of the book in in, in chapter 1, verse 2. The Lord says to them, I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? And, and God goes through a whole history of I chose you over your... He goes back to Jacob and Esau, their, their, their lineage of Jacob, and how he picked the nation of Jacob, Israel, over them, and how that's blessed them. And, and he makes this case. And he says a couple things. One, the, the sacrifices you're offering me show your heart is far from me. You're, you're apathetic towards me. And then secondly, he turns to the priests and he said, your view of my word shows that, that you're, you're distant from me. You don't care. You're, you're calling your own shot. You're doing your own thing. And, and God's trying to make the case, these people are apathetic, that they turn back to him. He's going to continue doing that, talking about marriage. And here's what he has to say, starting in verse 10. He asks a couple of rhetorical questions. Do we not all have one father? Has not one God created us? Well, well, yeah, yeah, we all have one Father. One God's created us. So those, those are obvious answers. So, so God, why, why are you asking? Sets up this third question. Why do we deal treacherously, each against his brother, so as to profane the covenant of our fathers? Treacherously, so deceptively, dishonestly. And, and this covenant you have, you're profaning it, you're desecrating it, you're mocking it. Okay, so, I mean, you got our attention. Something, something's going on here. What is it? Well, we'll get to that. Uh, verse 11, Judah has dealt treacherously. Judah's the southern kingdom. Israel was a 
extended kingdom. In 722, the Assyrians came in and, and they really took the northern part of it and, and assimilated it. Uh, so Judah, talking about the southern kingdom, has dealt treacherously. An abomination has been committed in Israel. And that's, Israel was the northern kingdom, the part that's been assimilated. So this has been going on for hundreds of years. And in Jerusalem, here we go again, for Judah has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord. My gracious, I mean, we've a lot of profaning here, a lot of bad stuff going on, desecrating the covenant. What is it? We'll, we'll get there. Has profaned the sanctuary of the Lord, which he loves, and here it is, has married the daughter of a foreign god. And let me get clear, let me be clear, God isn't so concerned about the ethnicity as he is about the spirituality. My people are marrying people that don't believe in me as Almighty God. They're, they're pagan people. They believe in some other God, and I've got an issue with that. That's desecrating my covenant. That's, that's profaning it. And we're dealing treacherously because we're a family that believes in God, and God is our Father, and we're linking with people who don't believe. That's an issue. Listen to verse 12. As for the man who does this, may the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob everyone who awakes and answers or who presents an offering to the Lord of hosts. What we're going to find out is these folks, they're they're marrying foreigners, people who don't believe, and they're coming to the altar because they know they're wrong, and God's saying, I ain't interested. Not interested in your offering. We're going to talk a little bit more about why God cares so much. But for now, I want to talk to those of you who are younger and thinking, I may want to get married down the road. I may want to get married again down the road. I'm begging you that you make your first screen and you consider a person for marriage proven Christian character. Hey, come on, and don't, oh, well, yeah, I mean, he, he, you know, I mean, he's 24, but and he prayed a prayer when he was 12. What's he done the last 12 years? Well, you know, not much, but he prayed that prayer. Come on. Oh, yeah, she, you know, I mean, she goes to church on Christmas and Easter, you know, yeah. No, no, Jesus doesn't matter to her. If you're someone pursuing Jesus, you need to find someone else who's pursuing Jesus. And is that happening? That's your first screen. You don't pursue a relationship. You don't even get started with them. Why are you so hardline in this, Andy? Because here's my experience. I worked campus ministry for 15 years with a group called Campus Crusade, now known as Crew. So I got to see lots of college students. And what happens is, man, she is beautiful. Man, he, <laughs> he is so handsome. <laughs> and then the rationalization, rationalization begins about character. And you talk to them about it, and you Christians are so judgmental, and you're so blah, 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 and all of a sudden they're linked, they're emotionally involved, and you're trying to talk to them, and they don't want to hear it, because she is so beautiful, though she is so handsome, and he is so sensitive, and she is so caring, and the time to make the decision right now, if the person is not a proven Christian character, please, 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 it's not who God has for you. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14 says this, Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership 
have righteousness and lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Do they value the same things you do? If you want to go to church, if you want to spend time, if you want to give money, what's your spouse going to say to that if they're not a believer? And we're going to come back and talk about raising kids because it's going to come up in this passage. So I'll get there. So if you're one who's thinking, I might want to get married down the road, would you purpose now that if this person is not following hard after Jesus, I ain't even getting started? Now, what if you're a person who's married, an unbeliever, and you're in a marriage? Do you get out? No, absolutely not. First uh, Peter 3, 1 through 2 says this, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, that's, are, they're not people of faith, that's a metaphor, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives, as they have your chaste and respectful behavior. If you're in a marriage with somebody who's not a believer, you don't get out. You trusted God to use your Christian character to draw this man or woman to himself. But if you're on the other side of that and you're single, I'm begging you, don't get started if the person doesn't have proven Christian character. God doesn't want us equally yoked. And yet, in marriage, we're going to find out marriage matters to God. So if you're in one, you stay in that marriage with that person, even if he or she is not a believer. All right, so why is that? Verse 13 then. Uh, This is another thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping, and with groaning because he is no longer regards the offering or accepts it with favor from your hands. So so this is a person that's bringing an offering to the thing and they're weeping and they're sorrowful and oh Lord, and they, Lord, I don't want anything to do with it. Wants nothing to do with it. Why is that? Verse 14. He says, for what reason? Because the Lord has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth against whom you have dealt treacherously, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. What was going on? In Israel, the men were taking multiple wives. This wasn't God's plan. When he set it up back at the creation, it was one man and one woman. I, think that's, I believe that's God's design for marriage. But, but these people had taken that, and, and, and these men were taking... Several wives. And what they were doing was with the wife of the Jewish covenant, the Jewish woman who shared the same faith, they were putting her away. They were divorcing her. And God says, you come to my altar with tears and you're offering all this stuff. I ain't interested. Not interested. Why? Well, um, Verse 15. But not one has done so who has a remnant of the Spirit. And what did that one do while he was seeking a godly offspring? Take heed then to your spirit and let let no one deal treacherously against the wife of your youth. This is hard to translate from Hebrew. That's what Malachi, language he wrote in. But here's the gist of it. Everyone who has the Spirit of God understands that one of the primary purposes for marriage is to raise godly offspring. And if you are unequally yoked, you're really into Jesus and your wife isn't, or you're really into Jesus and your husband isn't, it's going to be a tough go. 
to raise godly offspring when both are not committed to the same Lord. My wife, though her mom took her to church every Sunday, didn't become a believer until she was 16 years old. You know what she told me? Andy, daddy didn't go. Must not have been important. Finally, she came to it. Yeah, yeah, it is important. If you're trying to raise kids and you're unequally yoked, you're in and your husband isn't or you're in and your wife isn't, that's a, that's a tough go. And it is more challenging than ever to raise kids to walk with God in this culture. Once a month, I meet with six pastors. And we got to talking about this this week and, and his kids are, are, his oldest is in high school and, and he said, uh, we got to talking about kids' sports. And he said, My, our son got recruited at, at six years old to be on a travel baseball team. At six years old. And we got into this thing, and, and it gets rolling. It's, it's just one tournament. And one becomes another. And, and he said, we got to the eighth grade year, and we realized this team's running our family. And so, so we had to apologize to our kids Hey, we've made a mistake. We need to back off because right now it appears we're more committed to your athletic development than your spiritual development. And your spiritual development much, matters much more than your athletic development. So we're going to be cutting back. Now notice, they didn't cut out. This kid's playing three sports at a Lincoln High School. So it's not, they didn't quit. They didn't stop. But they said, wait a minute. We've got to stop the train. Well, if you're not on the same page with your husband or wife, and, and you want to pull the plug on that, and we need to back off, and we need to do that, that's a tough sell. That's why you need to have someone who has the same values. Raising godly offspring, it's a challenge. And if you and your spouse are not on the same page, same values, we're going to put our time, we're going to put our effort into our kids' spiritual life, that's going to take priority. It's going to be conflict in the marriage. It's not going to get done. So, Part of the reason that God wants equally yoked is the, the idea is to raise godly children. And it is hard to do if you're not on the same page. So here's God's final thought in divorce. It says this, For I hate divorce, said the Lord, the God of Israel, and him who covers his garment with wrong. And that word could be blood. Again, it's somebody at the altar who's divorced the wife of his youth. Says the Lord, I hate those people. So take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. We're asking this question, what is God's perspective on marriage? God's protective of marriage. God values marriage. It's his institution. It's the first institution he rolled, just like the iPhone. It's the first institution God rolled out. And if we're going to be people who are serious about living a legacy, we need to value marriage. We need to understand God is protective of marriage. Now, some of you in here have gone through a divorce. And I worked singles ministry before I did this. I realize it's a very painful thing. It's a hard thing. You need to know there is grace and restoration. It's not the end. Any of it failed. It's got out. No. No. Jesus meets you where you are. And so we, let's, let's work. What, what happened? What, what are the issues you need to work on? Where, where do you need to be? Okay, I'm in a second marriage. Well, let, let's, let's work on that second marriage. There's grace and restoration. And 
talk about the New Testament. It's beyond the scope of this message to talk about the whole marriage and divorce reissue. Uh, but Jesus allowed for it in certain spots. It was never his desire. This is an issue heart, but sometimes it goes bad. And sometimes it happens, and you need to know there's grace and restoration. But as we're thinking about marriage, when you know God is protective of it, and it matters to God, so it needs to matter to us. Now, I didn't get married until I was 33, and like I said, we, we did a campus ministry. Every time around Valentine's, we'd have a, a, a relationship seminar. We'd have a weekly meeting, so we'd, we'd do the two Wednesdays, like we met on Wednesday, we'd have a relationship seminar. And man, those were our fullest meetings. People want, kids came, people invited. So I sat in a lot, a lot of those seminars, and I heard a lot of things. But one of the things that sticks with me, one of the guys said, he was my boss. He said, marriage is work. <laughs> marriage is work. And you think, nah, nah, man, you fall in love, and it'll be okay, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. So I didn't get married until I was 33. We got married in June. And uh, right away, we're go to seminary and I start Greek and uh, we're about four or five weeks in on this thing and, and I'm turning the cards and learning the conjugations and it's pretty dull. And so Hope said, you want to you play cards? You know, she just give me a break and yeah, I'd love to play cards. Well, we're playing spades and I'll spare you the details but I got crushed. I mean, I'm getting whipped in this thing and I'm a poor sport and, I, and this isn't because you, you're better than me because you got better cards and it's going to turn and it didn't turn. And long story short, at some point, I picked up the hand. I thought, I'm going to get B here. I threw the cards down and went into the other room. Slammed the door. What a picture of maturity, huh? That, that just heartened you. What a great pastor we got. Um, but about that time, that statement came back that marriages work. Click, that clicked in. Because you know what I'm going to have to do here? See, I used to do that with roommates and stuff. But with guys, you could just kind of grunt it off. Ah, it's okay. And, you know, nothing gets said. But any way it works in marriage... No, ain't the way it works in marriage. No, sir. So I'm one of those people, if I have to have a hard conversation, I, I want to get it done. So I just come out and I say, you know, I am so, so sorry. I have nothing to stand on. Will you forgive me? Because I was wrong. You were nice to me. You did me a favor and act like a jerk. And my insecurity was showing. It was in a full card game. But I wasn't done that summer. I wasn't done. wasn't done. Um, so I'm studying. You've got to take this exam. At the end, you've got to pass it so you can go to the next level of Greek. So it's the night before, and um, the exam's on, and the students are coming back, and we're out uh, visiting the students, but it is time to get home, because don't you know, my theological career is on the line in the morning, and we need to get home to take this exam, and I can't find my wife. And finally, I find her. We get in the car, and I just let her have, don't you know, my theological career's on the line, and where were you? Well, Annie, I'm sorry, I didn't know, so... We take the test, and I pass a little test, and we have a little celebration, and we get home that night, and she says, I never want you to yell at me again. That scares me. You can be angry with me, you can walk around, but yelling, no, no, that doesn't go anymore. Marriages work. Marriages work. It's kind of like, i got to deal with these issues. You know, I'm just three months in, and I'm finding out. Marriages work. But why do we hang in there? Because God is protective of marriage. Marriage matters to him. And if we're going to be people who live a legacy, we're going to have that kind of commitment to marriage. Marriage matters to God. You know, um, Jesus died for your marriage. Jesus died to equip you to have what you need 
to do the work of marriage. And that's to ask forgiveness and to give forgiveness and to be humble and to be broken. Jesus died for your marriage. Now, I don't know about your marriage, but here's the deal with mine. When I look at the biggest problem with my marriage, okay, it's not my wife, and it's not my kids, and it's not my job, and it's not this, that, this. My biggest problem with marriage is me. I got issues, people. I'm 25 years in. I'm insecure, I'm selfish, I'm sensitive, I'm all these things. I don't know if you're anything like me. But if you are, your biggest problem in your marriage is is you. And you need Jesus to do a work in your life. Now you're thinking, well, Andy, you know, I'm I'm single and, and, you know, I'm not married. I I want you to know God values singleness. but, But many of you may be looking to get married one day. It's not too late to start developing character in your life that it's going to be take to pull off a successful marriage. You're going to have to learn humility. You're going to have to learn brokenness. You're going to have to learn to forgive. I mean, I, how much time you got? It's a great time to start developing character. And maybe you say, well, Andy, I'm married and I don't think I'm going to get married again. Again, I would tell you, your singleness is a gift from God. And, and Paul says we use our singleness to serve God. Well, one of the things you can do is to strengthen the marriages around you. What can you do? Are there there family? Are there friends? Are there people you know? What can you do to be pushing those married people? Can you you take kids? What can you do to strengthen marriages? Because marriage matters to God. And corporately, we want to be a people who live a legacy. We'll do that as our marriages flourish. God cares about marriage. When our oldest son was about... um, a year, 15 months, I don't know. Uh, he was at a McDonald's Playland. And I, was, I would often take him, give Hope a break, and I'm doing my sermon, and I've got head, my head down, and I hear, Dad! And I pop up, and there's a, 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 another kid bullying him. He's got him in the corner of the Playland. Now, you need to know, I, I'm about the biggest coward there is. I, I can't tell you how many times I have, ba- truthfully, how I have backed down from fights. Those of you who have kids, man, when your kid gets challenged, it's kind of like, there's something that came out of me that's kind of like, what, son? Well, the other guy was sitting there, and he saw what was going on. He called his son out and called him off. But I was shocked how protective I was. I don't know how much strength I had, but whatever I had, I was going to use to protect my son. And I know a lot of you guys feel that way about your kids, too. I'm not alone in that. But that protection I described right there, That's how God feels about marriage. That's how he feels about your marriage. That's how he feels about my marriage. He's protective of That's how he feels about the marriages around you and around me. God cares about marriage, and we're going to be people who live a legacy. We need to join him in caring about marriage. If we're married, starting with our own, but then those around us. In a moment, we're going to sing once for all. And, and it's, Jesus died for everyone. But, I, you know, I, I want to apply this. He died for marriages, all of them. Because marriage is a picture of Christ's relationship, the, the committed relation of the church. It's a picture of that to our world. And if they're falling apart in the church, that picture blows up. Would we be people who value and protect marriage like God does? Let me pray. I'll ask our worship team to come up and close us. So Lord, we are people who want to live a legacy. 
But uh, we live in a culture who throws away marriage and who moves on and has a starter marriage and a second marriage, that we would not be those people. That we would value marriage, that we would protect marriage like you do. Lord, forgive us for the time that, that we haven't been willing to do the work of marriage. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.